You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, exciting show because free agency is in full swing. Apologize for last week. Blog talk was a bit of a disaster. And I'm hoping we don't get the same tonight because I'll tell you what, as I logged in and I did my usual process, um, clicked the button to log in and first, and this has never happened before, I got a message just saying we're having a problem with our system. Please try again. And I thought, oh, damn, here we go again. But anyway, we are here. If I am not mistaken, uh, my co-host, Alex Varallo, is on the line and able to hear me. Am I correct, Alex? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, do that long pause. I thought, I thought you didn't hear me. That was too long of a pause. <laughs> Don't do that again. I had myself on mute just for a second there as I was getting myself set. And then the, he, I was like, he's probably going to think that we dropped again. <laughs> I was about to throw the laptop and say, that's it. It's a wrap. Yep. Are you, uh, are you there? What's... You know, we ha- we had some troubles, but we're we're getting back in order, and uh, you know we're amidst the free agent frenzy, and uh, this is very very much needed distraction with all the, uh, let's just say, uh, issues going around the world, and we'll just leave it at that because you know we hear enough about that every corner we turn, and, and we're here to uh, kind of, talk honestly, about something a little little yeah. bit better. Um, our New York Jets. Yeah, I almost I almost wasn't going to do a show because it's it's so hectic right now uh, with my situation. And uh, I thought, you know what, I need a distraction, and there might be people out there who listen to this show who feel the same way and who would like a distraction. So we're going to talk about the Jets. Uh, if we want to talk about the misery and the world coming to an end and the end of civilization, uh, tune into something else as soon as you're done listening to us because it's everywhere. <laughs> Turn on the news. Um, yeah. So uh, so Alex, free agency in full swing. In the early hours, we know how it is. When somebody doesn't get signed in the first 10 minutes, it's time to fire the GM. Um, the, 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 big, the biggest surprise, though, let's be honest, Alex, um, and it really goes to show it, 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 it pisses me off a little bit because I understand that, you know, guys in the media, some of them got to make stuff up. Some of them, it's like, you know, 100% speculation. They may even believe what they're saying, but it's speculation. Some of them say, oh, I got this from this source, that from that source. But sometimes they're just... They're just so damn sure of themselves about, oh, this is going to happen. Here's what the Jets are going to do. Like I saw the articles that, you know, Joe Douglas is going to get on the phone with Jack Conklin right away. I saw one tweet, and I may have been Tony Pauline. I apologize if it wasn't, but I'm pretty sure it was, saying the Jets were prepared to make Jack Conklin the highest paid lineman in the NFL. And I was like, Jesus, like, I want the guy, but over $15 million, I'm not so sure. He's not... I understand that you have to overpay in free agency. I get that. But you shouldn't be overpaying by like 45% or 40% or whatever. So I'm like, oh, man, they're going to get Conklin, but I'm going to be kind of bummed because it's going to cost them $18, million, blah, 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 blah. Three minutes into free agency, he signs with the Browns for $14 million a year. And I was like, what the, what the hell's going on? Uh, weeks. Uh, what, 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 how long ago was it that we heard that, that, that Conklin had told 
another NFL team he was prepared to sign with the Jets, which I think I said at the time sounded like an agent plant, like that Rosenhaus put that out there to make other teams want to up their offers. But even still, like the number of reports I saw that he was the top priority, big money, they're going to go all out for this guy. $14 million he signs with the Browns. It's like, how could you be that far off base? You're not like a little bit wrong. You just told us this guy was going to get like a $20 million a year deal, and he gets $14 million, and the Jets, then we hear the Jets didn't even really make an offer yet. Like they were interested, but it didn't even get to the point where they talked numbers. So Jets lost out on Conklin. Again, if it was for $17, 18000000 million, I'd be disappointed. Fourteen? I'm sorry, if, if they lost out for $17, 18000000 million, I wouldn't care. But at 14, I'm like, that ah, wouldn't have been a bad number. But uh, what are your thoughts? For, for that number, would you have been happy to have Conklin? Or were you just happy to uh, to let him move on and go elsewhere? Yeah, for, for $14 million, I, I think I would have kicked the tires on that. Um, you know, a lot of people bring up good points. You know, there's reasons why the Titans are moving on from him. And apparently his film prior to the 2019 season was not as stellar, uh, apparently. And I guess that just was the, one of the reasons why the Titans decided, you know, not to – uh, move forward with him, but apparently he did very well last year, and he improved his play. And uh, that's not to to be unexpected. A lot of players that are on contract years seem to elevate themselves because um, they get a little bit of that juice running, and they want to go out there and obviously put their best product of themselves out there so that they can get the most money when they hit the the market. So I would have been comfortable at fourteen million. Uh, you know, at first I was one of the people and I'll, you know, everyone sees my tweet, so there's no hiding it. At first I was like, everyone just calm down, you know, and then Thune gets tagged and Conklin goes and then Glasgow went. And I think it was when Glasgow was off the market is when I said, okay, now the temperature in the room's a little bit, you know, warmer and I'm, my collar's starting to get a little itchy and, you know, I'm pacing in my living room. So, you know, we feel all the emotions here, just like everyone else. And, uh, you know, the Jets did this last year, too. They seemed to be a little bit quiet early on in the process. And then, you know, in the evening, it seemed that, you know, when they do all their work, um, which is actually prime time right now, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens during this show. Um, and that would be fun to also do as well. But, yeah, I do feel like we missed out on Conklin. Um, but, you know, we did make some other moves in different areas. And, obviously, the draft is everything. So we can't just say that, you know, how many teams win and lose the the off season and and then they go in the opposite direction according to what you know the media puts out there. So um, it's not the end of the world. Um, it would have been nice, but for fourteen million, I do feel like uh, we had the, the income to make that that signing. Yeah, and I'll tell you as much as I say, you know, you can't panic about the early results of free agency. We don't sign a guy in the first few minutes. Blah blah. blah. I did. Uh, I don't know if panic is the right word, but I did worry a little bit because. You know, we've said on this show, um, I know me personally, Alex, I've, I've mentioned Connor McGovern, we both have, far more than we've mentioned Grant Oof. Glasgow. Now, now, the media has said many times, mm-hmm. they've mentioned Glasgow a ton, um, not so much McGovern. I preferred McGovern. But when they lost out on Glasgow, I thought, well, Jesus, this is the guy that all the writers are saying they want to key in on. No one's even mentioned McGovern. That's the guy I want. But I haven't really heard much in terms of them being interested in him. So I started to worry about that, and I, and I forget who. I saw somebody was interested in McGovern, and I thought, man, that, that's the guy I want on the interior to solidify the center position. I want a veteran center. Um, you know, I want a guy who, who's, who's been there. I don't want a rookie 
in charge of making the calls or, you know, uh, not, not right off the bat anyway. Like you want to bring in a Tyler Biadish and by week seven or eight, you feel like he's ready to play and you want to move McGovern to one of the guard spots. I'm fine with that. But, but basically when, when they lost out on, on Conklin, I was surprised because of the dollar amount. When they lost out on Glasgow, I was like, hang on a second. If, if what we're hearing from Manish Mehta and from Connor Hughes and other guys on the beat, this was the guy they wanted and they just lost out on him. Then they finished the night by signing George Fant, who was on nobody's radar in terms of covering the Jets. I didn't hear a single person mention him as a possibility. All, the first thing that came to mind was, because I'm, listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a George Fant uh, enthusiast. Like I've watched a million, you know, like I've watched him play a million times. All I knew is, I was like, I'm, I'm sure that guy's not a starter. And the reason why people talk about Russell Wilson as an MVP every year is because his offensive line is atrocious and he's forever running for his life. That's all I could think. I thought, this guy isn't good enough to start on one of the worst pass-blocking lines in the NFL. And I was like, this, this is it? This is the day one signing? Because in my mind, at that point, there wasn't going to be a McGovern. So I'm like, you don't get McGovern, you don't get Glasgow who you wanted, you don't get Conklin, who's the heavily rumored guy, but you get this guy who's a backup on a team that can't pass-block. And I was... Not not thrilled about that. Um, you know, now having read more about him, he's, he's a bit of a, a, a rarity in that he is still, I mean, it, he better not be a project at this point, but he was about as raw. Not for 10 million a year. <laughs> yeah, but as we know by now, you know, three years as a basketball player, one year of college football, uh, where he played tight end, and he comes to the NFL, gets moved to tackle. So basically, literally started learning how to play offensive line in the NFL. Not a lot of guys do that. Um, so even though he's been in the league a few years, you, I think you could still say he's pretty raw. But I still think $10 million a year is a lot for that. Um, but uh, listen, all we keep hearing, Alex, is that Adam Gase has this vision that he's going to have these crazy wide splits up front on the O-line, and they just want versatile, or, versatile O-linemen, and they want nimble O-linemen, guys who can move. Now, this guy can move. Whether or not he can play, we'll find out, but... I saw an interesting tweet. I think it was from uh, Jim Nagy, who runs the Senior Bowl. He put a side-by-side comparison of George Fan and Tristan Wirfs, and their numbers were nearly identical. Mm-hmm. And I everyone's going, too. yeah, everyone's losing their minds right now about how, how well Tristan Wirfs moves. So this could be – and then we see the numbers. We, we see the guaranteed money. This is essentially a one-year prove deal. Three million guaranteed the first year. If he doesn't do much after that, they can cut him with little to no cap implications. So, to, to say he's going to start for sure, I think he'll be given a chance to start. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't think George Fant is a guy that you go into the season now and go, okay, we don't have to take a tackle at eleven. We have George Fant protecting Sam Darnold's blind side. That's a little much for me. Um, I mean, do you, this doesn't preclude them from taking a left tackle in your mind, does it? No, I think that. You know, a lot of people have alluded and as putting together, you know, today, is it March 18th? Um, today's lineup, Fant is currently being penciled in on the left side of the line. Uh, I have a strong feeling that if one of the guys that are the top four, top five tackles uh, is available at pick 11 in the first round, I think that's where the Jets are going to go. And we can move Fant to the right side, which might be better for us. And then we can you know, have our future uh, blindside protector for hopefully the next decade. Um, 
you know, in his natural left left tackle spot. So that's kind yeah, of and, what I'm hoping at. That's what I foresee. But I don't know if you saw this, Alex, just now. The uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, two mm-hmm. years, $11 million for Brandon Shell. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's uh, as Adam Schefter says, nearly a trade, basically. Uh, George Fan for Brandon Shell. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that just popped up. I no, saw yeah, Brandon Shell's name. Too, and I was going to mention wanted... that. Um, but, yeah, you know, kind of Jets-related uh, news there. Yeah, yeah, we like to keep up with the, the – not not just the guys that are coming. You want to see where guys are going. Um, and, look, Brandon Shell, not a great player, probably a, a lower-end right tackle. But when you look at, uh, you know, some of the other tackles out there, you know, I, I didn't think he was uh, – I didn't think he was a guy who was going to get big money. But I, I knew somebody would bring him in. He'd, he'd, get, he'd get paid pretty well. So uh, $5.5 million, so kind of backup money. But, again, the way things have gone in Seattle over the years, he's a guy who could steal a job. Um, because they, I mean, that's Seattle offensive line for years now. That's why people were so surprised. They take a running back in round one. Uh, but anyway, so moving on. So yep. they add Fant. Uh, we've discussed McGovern and they bring Alex Lewis back again, not big money, uh, manageable deal. They can get out of if he doesn't play well. Uh, I don't think Alex Lewis, I don't view Alex. I'd said all along. I think you bring Alex Lewis back on a short deal. I was hoping two years, but you bring him back on a short deal not a lot of guaranteed money and you let him compete with a rookie and you, you, you know, you bring in, you bring in a rookie in the draft and now this, uh, that, that's what this does. And there are still, there are other players that the jets are rumored to have interest in uh, along the offensive line. And I don't think that, I don't think by any means they're done. And if they could put themselves in a position where they head into the draft needing only a left tackle, they'd be, uh, they'd, they'd be in pretty good position. And you've now, I mean, Lewis wasn't fantastic last year, but listen, if if you make the line better all around, everyone who looked terrible is going to look that much better. But the other guy, and I'd, I'd mentioned him on the show when we did our our offensive preview, uh, free agency preview, Alex, uh, is Greg Van Roten from Carolina. He's supposedly the guy the Jets are looking at who would, you know, I think he would be a starter on the interior. I think he would lead to Brian Winters being let go. But... uh We'll see how that plays out, but but what are your thoughts there? What, you know, do you like Alex Lewis coming back, and uh, and do you think Van Roten is a guy that they should be pursuing in, in place of Brian Winters? Yeah, I think out bringing back Alex Lewis was good. Um, he second year in the system, so he's familiar with, I guess, what his role is supposed to be. So that should be beneficial. Um, helping some of the new guys uh, that are going to be coming in here, getting them acclimated. So that that's always a good thing. Uh, it's not a, you know, slam dunk kind of signing, but I think that it's a it's a good move. It's solid for depth. Uh, we we do know that he has the ability to start. Um, I like your idea of bringing him in and and also looking at the draft and and bringing somebody on the interior to compete. Um, you know, last night I, I put out a tweet, and I'd love any combination of the top five tackles in round one, and then round two maybe looking at a Lloyd Cushenberry or possible Cesar Ruiz um, from Michigan. These guys are talked about as the top centers in this draft. I feel like plug and play guys. So you know, like you said, maybe we move McGovern to right, Alex Lewis plays left, and then we've got a rookie at center and a rookie at left tackle, and having Fant who 
no one really knows, um, you know, what, what he's capable of, if he's going to stink or if he could end up being a solid lineman. So, you know, looking at what we were dealing with last year and kind of looking at what we, we could potentially have come April, uh, you know, this could, we could comfortably say that this should be an improved offensive line. Um, so with Alex Lewis coming back, I think that um, helps keep the unit together um, with his familiarity. Now, as far as that offensive line, um, you know, rumors have been floating around from time to time. Connor Hughes mentioned it the other day, saying that the Jets were not willing to part with a second rounder for Trent Williams from the Redskins. If the Redskins come down and say, all right, we'll take a three, do you trade for this guy who is reportedly looking for a $20 million a year deal? Uh, For Trent Williams? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Somebody had... uh through that same scenario at the earlier, uh, I think with the third round pick, uh, those are in my mind, still considered premium picks. You can find starters in the third round. Uh, but we do know from previous third round picks, not everything is uh, set in stone. Um, you know, our third round pick last year is not on the team. We won't even mention his name. You should know that already. Um, Chuma Doga, I believe uh, was a third or fourth, or, you know, early fourth round guy. Um, we attempted to throw him in to the injury. Um, he held his own against guys like Demarcus Lawrence, but then in other games we saw him uh, getting beat like a drum as well. So if you're you're talking about a questionable young player that is hit or miss fifty percent bus rate uh, for a, you know an all pro Pro Bowl caliber linemen that can play left tackle. Um, yes, the medicals aren't great, but you have to go with the upside. And I, I think a third-round pick would would actually suit, suit the needs of this team, and it would most certainly improve us up front. Uh, I would not be uh, you know, too upset if, if the Jets found a way to, to figure out a move like that. The only thing that concerns me is the amount of money that he warrants. Um, That's that what the, I was going to say. The downside That's... to it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say for a guy who's, uh, his, you know, the age, it's it's like he's not a young guy, but you do see these tackles play into their mid-late 30s if they keep themselves in Look shape. Whitworth. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, Whitworth, I didn't I didn't talk a lot about Whitworth this offseason, Alex, and, and the biggest reason for that, I don't know if this was an assumption on my part, but I felt like I'd read somewhere that Whitworth back to the Rams, that he was either going to retire or go back to the Rams. I didn't see anything where he would consider leaving, which is why I didn't mention him. Cause I thought, well, I'm not going to talk about it. If, if, you know, some guys at that point in their career, they're, they're comfortable where they are and they just want to play another couple seasons. But if you can get a Whitworth or a Jason Peters on a two year deal, both guys in their late thirties, both guys still playing at a very high level. I don't know about you, Alex. I would do that. And I pitched that in a tweet a couple of weeks ago. Some people didn't like it. I don't want a washed up Jason Peter. Washed up? The guy can still play. And he's probably, they're both like just examples of those freak guys who are probably going to play well when they're 39 and 40 years old. So if I can get one of those guys on a short deal and then use pick 11 on a tackle, but see that that's where that would complicate things. Because then it's, I mean, you didn't pay a ton of money for fan, but you paid enough money that if you take a tackle at 11 and you sign Peters or Whitworth, th- then what are you doing with Fant for $10 million, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know where that leaves him. 
But um, I think that I think the Jets should look at Peters. I think the Jets should look at Whitworth. Absolutely, either one of them. Um, but I still think I still think the goal has to be a tackle at eleven. But by doing that, let's say you go, let's say you bring in Jason Peters, and there is this run on tackles that some people are anticipating. Well, then yeah, you know that seems to be the trend. <laughs> yeah, but but then I mean, if that happens, Alex, if all four tackles are gone by eleven. Uh, that means there's going to be that means two or three guys are falling, who have no business mm-hmm. falling. Um, I don't know how it would feel. I mean, are do do you think if you're the Jets, let let let's say Joe Douglas signs Peters, and now you've got Alex Lewis, and you've got McGovern, and and you keep Brian Winters around. You, you've uh, you've added Fant. Does this open up the possibility? of a defensive player at 11 and with, with the intention of getting the best left tackle you can next year. Right. That that would be certainly interesting because there seems to be some sort of phobia going around that there's going to be no, no tackles available when we get to the 11 spot and you already know how I feel about happening. Josh Jones. And in my mind, it's like, are there really teams out there that, you know, are, are going to pass up on a franchise quarterback because two years ago, Justin Herbert was talked about as the consensus number one in the 2019 draft until he decided to stay another year. And then mm-hmm. somehow with a 32 touchdown and six interception year, I thought he played very well. Um, but apparently, you know, Joe Burrow with his 60 touchdown season um, just crushed everything that, that was the, you know, Herbert being the content, consensus guy, but we're not talking about that. Um, I'm just saying that there's there's teams out there that needs quarterbacks, and this is the best way to get a young guy to you know bring a new culture to your team. There's a great cornerback, lockdown guy that's probably going to be in Pro Bowl conversations. In Jeff Okuda, I can't see him sliding. Um, there's a generational pass rusher talent in Chase Young. There's no way he's sliding. Isaiah Simmons is a freaking unicorn. So yep. you can't no tell me that he's going to slide. Um, you know, these wide receivers, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, um, these guys are the types of players where you, you put them in your offense and, and then next thing you know, um, you have safeties hanging over on that side and, and then you've got guys trying to play man or zone or bump and run coverage and, and then all the other guys, the slot receivers and the guys on the opposite field that are getting one-on-one looks, all of a sudden they start to – to blossom because these young superstars are coming in to change your offense around. There's a lot, a lot of good talent um, in, in this, you know, top 10, top 11 range. And it's going to be tougher teams, but, you know, I don't want to solidify any players in stone in March uh, because we're weeks away from the draft and, you know, every single move, every 10 minutes, the board, the draft board is, is changing for all these teams. So, uh, in a scenario where the Jets have completed a, a, a full revamp of this offensive line and they're, not, they're no longer putting themselves in a position where they have to go offensive line for tackle, um, if they go defense, um, yes, I believe the Twitter world might, might melt down and, and some people might just lose their nerve completely, which I completely understand. But depending on who it is, uh, you know, if we're talking about uh, Clavon Chason, um, you know, we've been 
yeah. pounding the table for an edge rusher since John Abraham. Um, I would be fine with that. Uh, if a, you know, Isaiah Simmons um, were to fall, uh, obviously, you know, I would, I would be all over that. Um, if a CUDA were to slide, obviously I'd love to get a lockdown corner. Um, you know, if it was a Derek Brown or this kid, Marlon, was it Marlon Davis? The guy that I think Peter Schrager alluded to during the combine that the Jets would take him. And I think everybody lost their mind with that. Um, yeah, that it's a that, possibility. Yeah. I'm not going to put it off the table. It's not what no. I want to do. No, they are not taking the an interior D lineman. <laughs> if they take a defensive player, it's going to be a guy who can run all over the field and make plays. Um, it, or, or someone who can get to the quarterback. You know, if they take another interior D lineman, that's that, no, that's just that would be that is that would be unacceptable. It's, I'm cringing. Uh, you can't see my yeah. face, but I'm in full cringe mode. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not going to happen. That can't happen. Um, but again, but I I think almost if, seven again, o'clock too. Yeah, if if you get Peters or Whitworth, and you feel like maybe you'll draft a guy, and and maybe because again they're still supposedly in on Van Roten. So then you got Lewis, Van Roten, you got you got McGovern. You figure at least one draft pick, and then you got Fant and Adoga. That's I mean you could you might go with your starting lineup out of that group, and say all right and next year. Something that the, uh, the... Manish talked about. Um, I think he mentioned him last week or two weeks ago when we had our show. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, you know guys like Ben Barch, Austin Jackson. These are all players that apparently yeah, will be we... available. That can Ezra play Cleveland left or right tackle in the yeah. second round. So with the way that these contracts are set up, we're not tied to anybody. Um, I believe we, we've got two years guaranteed into McGovern. So that's not even a long-term kind of deal. But it, it gives us, keeps us honest in the interior for the next couple of years. So there's, there's absolutely a possibility to where the Jets can, can get flexible, maybe go offense in the first round. Maybe they do go defense at the edge or corner. Lord, no, no defensive line. Still get a second-round tackle and, you know, work him in. And hopefully in 2021, 2022, you're looking at maybe Chuma Doga on the right side and this, uh, you know, second-year prospect from the 2020 class that could play the, the, the left side. So the Jets, the Jets are giving themselves a very, very good – um, opportunity to be open-minded when it comes to day one, day two of the draft. Yeah, I think uh, I think if they, they continue making moves like this, continue building that O-line and some of these names that they're reportedly interested in, um, they will put themselves in a spot where they, they have more flexibility. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I, I wouldn't mind one bit if they take another OT at 11. Bring, bring in, as, as, as uh, versatile and, and nimble as some of these guys are, bring them in to play guard. I don't care. Give me, give me five 350-pound men uh, with, with quick feet in front of Sam Darnold and just let that dude sit back and pick defenses apart. Um, because I, I, don't think, uh, I, I don't think as it stands now, unless it's a guy like uh, Trent Williams who is going to want $20 million, I don't think there's a guy you can bring in and say, listen, uh, you know, if it's a Peters or a Whitworth, you can say, this guy's going to play left tackle for a year or two and then pick 11 is going to take that spot over. And I mean, that would be a, that would be an ideal scenario, but uh, we'll have to see, man. It's, it's going to be, it, it has the potential to be very interesting and, and real. And the other thing that we didn't mention that every, it's everyone's favorite option every year, trade down and add picks, right? I mean, if you're Joe <laughs> Douglas 
Yeah. Let's say you let's say you feel comfortable with the O line you've assembled, and uh, and there and there is a, an early run on tackles, leaving maybe a quarterback at eleven, and a team wanting to move up. And if Joe Douglas thinks, well, I can move down and I can, I can still grab myself a, a quality player at sixteen or seventeen. I mean, not that the, you know that that's you're talking Falcons and Cowboys. They're not going to be trading for a quarterback. But uh, but you know what I mean. If it's let's say it's the it's the Raiders. I don't think they're exactly locked into Marcus Mariota and and Carr. Um, but although Carr, if they had any interest in moving him, they might have a tough time because right now the quarterback market is. I don't I I don't remember a time the quarterback market was this flooded. Um, it's nuts. Cam Newton and and Jameis Winston are out of a job. Teddy Bridgewater gets twenty million a year to take Cam Newton's job. So um, flooded quarterback market, but. Um, as it stands, the, the Jets are in a nice position if they make a couple of these moves to have that flexibility, and that's that's really what you want going into any draft. You don't want to be locked in where you absolutely must address one position, uh, you know, unless it's a quarterback and you know you're going to be in position to get one, then you don't mind. Um, but when you but when you need a guy, when you need a, a guy at a particular spot, and there's not one there of the value that is where you're picking, and, and nobody wants to trade down with you. That's how you end up drafting, you know, overdrafting or, or taking a guy you wouldn't normally take. Or maybe you have to take a deal where you don't get the value that you feel you should. But that, that's basically where the Jets are right now. We're also going to be joined tonight, uh, by the way, by uh, Emery Hunt, who's going to come on and talk, going to talk a little bit, about, uh, little bit about the draft. He was in Indy. Uh, Emery, of course, of a football game plan. We're expecting him to call in any minute. And... Uh, he, he doesn't have a ton of time, work, Mr. Emery. What's that? No, I was just saying he does phenomenal work. I enjoy. If you guys aren't following him, um, at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter. He also has a YouTube channel. Very, very good at football stuff. Yeah, yeah, football game plan. Um, give that a give that a, a a follow on Twitter if you're not already. But um, I think what we'll do with Emery once he comes on, Alex, is go over some of the. Uh, some of the middle round guy, like I want to talk about the receivers with Emory because there are so many in this class. We've talked about the insane depth, but you wonder if teams are because of that. Like you mentioned Judy and lamb earlier. I wonder if those guys might fall because, and I've said it a million times this off season because of supply and demand. If you're sitting there and you need a left tackle and you need a receiver and there's only four left tackles that you think can start for you day one, but there are nine receivers or 12 receivers that you think can start and with varying degrees of success, of course, but you still think is a starting caliber player. Do we see a few teams pass on Lamb and Judy um, and lead to those guys falling and where the Jets could benefit if they decide to go that route if those tackles are gone? Um, I can't say I'd hate it. I, it's, it's, I'm torn. You know, I've, I've said a million times, if it's, if it's between the tackle and a the receiver, there's a tackle on the board, I'm taking the tackle. Because there are only a handful, but if all the tackles are gone and it's and and you got Judy and you got Lamb, yeah, there is that part of me saying get a starting receiver in round two and grab another one with one of the third round picks. But then there's a part of me going Jerry Judy, <laughs> that's CD Lamb, like grab one of those guys. Right. So I would I would have no issue with that at all um, for obvious reasons. With the amount of guys. talent at wide receiver, there's very very few that you can compare to those two that you just mentioned with some of the things that they can do route running wise, you know, winning at the catch point and just 
being explosive after the catch and all those things. I mean, they they kind of are wherever the pedestal is, you want to put them, they're a mile away from the next tier is the way I see it. Yeah, and a guy and the guy I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Jim Nagy. I don't think we've discussed this, Alex, because I was floored when I saw this. I mean, I've heard a lot of high praise for Henry Ruggs. But uh, Jim Nagy, what Jim Nagy does, he runs the senior bowl. He, help, he gets together with teams and helps pick which players will be there. Um, so he's doing as much work on these guys as a scout. And, um, and he's, he's running it for, the whole, for all of college football. And he tweeted out the other day that there is no question in his mind that Henry Ruggs is the top receiver in this class. And I thought, wow, like that's, mm-hmm. I've heard high praise for Ruggs. I haven't heard anyone say that. Um, but his feeling was that Ruggs was a big reason why Judy was able to be as successful as he was. And um, really just, uh, I, would, I don't want to say mucks things up, because of, of course it's all a matter of opinion of, of who the top three guys are. But when Emery comes on, and I believe he is uh, joining us right now, uh, we're, we're going to talk about some of the middle, middle round guys in, in, a, in a stacked class. Emery, are you with us? Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, no, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure, pleasure is all ours. So we were just talking, Emery, about this, this deep draft class at the receiver position. And honestly, it's, it, it's so deep. We, we've been talking about this class for, for probably months now. And uh, everyone knows, I mean, listen, there's so many good ones. Everyone knows a lot of the names. But, uh, but, but you really, you do a great job in breaking down players and breaking down film and explaining what guys do well and what they don't. We, uh, we mentioned you earlier, football game plan, if you're not following them on Twitter. Give Emery a follow. But Emery, instead of talking about the C.D. Lands and the Jerry Judys and the Henry Ruggs, talk to us about how you view the, those, those sort of middle-round guys. Like if you're the Jets and you've got, you've got those two third-round picks, and let's say you go OT with the first pick and maybe you top, maybe if a guy like Cushenberry falls, you grab him in round two or Cesar Ruiz. Now you're the Jets, you're on the clock, you've got a couple of third-rounders, you've got an early fourth-rounder. What, which, which names are you looking at that might be there that you think could be, you know, ready to play almost immediately? Well, one guy that has tremendous polishes is Austin Mack out of Ohio State. You know, he didn't produce a, a ton of huge numbers uh, because of the guys in front of him, rightfully so considering who was in front of him. But you look at when he got on the field, how productive he was, you watch his routes and how consistent he is in doing that, he's going to always find himself open. Um, another guy that's from the same cloth to me is Van Jefferson out of Florida. You know, he may go in the second round, but you no know, one's talking about him as being one of the top tier receivers in the class. And I think he's definitely one of those guys because of what he does as far as his routes, as far as him catching the football, um, whether it's, you know, over his shoulder, contested catches, things like that, he's able to do that consistently. So both of those guys are, are probably more of your – Make your power five guys that are not being talked about enough. Another guy I like is LaMichael Petway out of Iowa State, a uh, big body guy that can play inside or outside. But I see him as a split in, tremendous hands, and is very good in contested catch situations. Now, do you have any thoughts? Of th- this is probably a later round guy, but I meant to ask you about him because I honestly hadn't seen much of him up until a few weeks ago. I was I was actually watching some Ohio State um, and. A guy probably w- w- didn't produce as much as they had hoped going into Ohio State, but uh, Benjamin Victor. Any thoughts on him? I, I think there were some issues with drops with him, but his ability to kind of stop stop on a dime and accelerate and, and, and pick up extra yards, make guys miss, that really jumped out at me for a guy who's kind of projected as a fifth, sixth rounder. 
Yeah, he had a really good week down at the East West Shrine Bowl, and I was, you know, impressed with how fluid he was for a taller guy. He's about a legit six three and a half, six four, um, about one ninety five, something around that weight. And for him to be able to gear up, gear down, and get in and out of his break was pretty, pretty impressive. And you know, he had a good week at the Shrine Bowl, like I mentioned earlier. And you, you take that evaluation and you, you know have that in your mind while you're watching his film and you see why some people may or may not um, be all enamored with what he brings. Yeah, he has to find his level of consistency, and that's the biggest thing. Can he find that consistency? Does he play consistently fast uh, in addition to what he has to do catching the football? And those are some of the questions that people have about his game. Uh, So, Emery, um, as we're going through this, this free agent frenzy here, um, a lot of people uh, want us to bring back Robbie Anderson. Um, I'm sure, as you've seen, he's got a special ability to stretch the field, and he's he's a very fun player to watch. He's explosive, and we consider him a big playmaker. In the event that we are unable to uh, make him the, the deal to keep him here, are there any players that you feel that are similar to what he can do that maybe the Jets might find as a diamond in, in the rough um, in this, this coming draft? Yeah, you you look up to Rhode Island. Um, there's two guys. There's Aaron Parker, who is six two two or four, um, but Isaiah Coulter, his his cousin actually and teammate. Both of those guys are tremendous receivers. And Coulter, uh, he plays a lot like AJ Green. I, I don't know if he's as athletic, but he's definitely athletic enough to where, you know, he when you watch him on film, he's impressive in that regard. He's able to find little creases in the defense and, and get deep down the field. He's able to track the football really well. Um, I know he tested well at the combine. Similarly to A.J. Green, maybe doesn't have the top end speed Green had. I, I don't remember what Green ran in the 40, but I know Coulter ran 4-4-8, I believe. Um, but Coulter is a really good receiver. I actually have him graded a share higher than Aaron Parker, who had himself a fantastic week down at, their, at the East-West Shrine game. Now, he didn't test particularly well. Uh, as Coulter did, but he plays a, a really good game. And, and I think Coulter is probably more along the lines of Robbie Anderson, while Parker is more along the lines of what you have in uh, Quincy Nunwa and what he brings to the table as far as being a, a very good physical receiver that complements someone like Robbie Anderson. Now, Emery, the other area where, where Jets fans are, uh, you know, not not just hoping now, but have been hoping for over a decade uh, to find a playmaker is, is somebody coming off the edge. Uh, probably not, you know, unless, you know, we said earlier, maybe if they, if they make enough moves on the O-line, maybe Clavion Chase on enters the equation in the first round. But if things play out the way we anticipate now with them going with, a, with a, a, an offensive tackle in round one, what are some of the second, third, fourth round guys coming off the edge you think could have an impact? And specifically, um, a guy I wanted to ask about, because I was actually hoping he wouldn't do too well at Indy, and, uh, and start climbing draft boards. But a guy that I liked was uh, Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. So uh, if you want to talk about him and maybe a couple of other guys that, that aren't getting that, that, you know, that, that first-round hype that everybody hears about. Well, Highsmith is, uh, you know, he was a productive player at Charlotte. Uh, just his issue for me is he just doesn't have that, that next-level burst or explosiveness. He's a good player, so I think in that regard, kind of will position himself to be nothing more than a situational guy which is fine, uh, but he just doesn't have that next 
level type explosiveness or burst or get off that you want to see from a top tier pass rusher. Uh, Bradley Anae out of Utah is another guy to keep an eye on. I'm a big fan of Bryce Huff out of Memphis. I like how those guys are able to, you know, really win with both power and quickness. Um, but to be completely honest, outside of Chase Young, this is a really kind of – I don't want to say average because people may see it as a bad connotation, but it's, everyone is kind of the same after Chase Young. You know, maybe Jabari Zuniga out of Florida is a, a guy that you can, you know, really like or, you know, uh, Jonathan Green out of Florida, his teammate. But for the most part, it, I think you can shake up a bag and pull out one of these, these edge rushers and come up with the same guy. And now, what what about uh, Kenny Willicks out of uh, Michigan State? He seems like a like a high effort guy who might be able to make some plays. Again, doesn't have that that elite athleticism, that explosiveness, but a guy who seems like you know his, his effort, his motor is going to find him a place in the league. Well, that's the, that's what I wanted to see when I popped on his film because you read his accolades and you know, the multiple All Americans and the you know the fact that this guy had all these spells and you know broke records at Michigan State. He was up for the Burroughs Work Trophy. So he was like, okay, I'm excited to watch him. And then when you put on the film, it's just you, you're absolutely right. He doesn't have the speed or explosiveness. You wonder, like, man, how did he get all of these plays or make all these plays despite not having the speed and, you know, doesn't have a variety of moves and doesn't have more than one way to get to the quarterback, all that stuff. Uh, so I think, again, situationally, he's gonna that's going to be his role. Special teams, obviously. But – Again, this class, man, is just outside of Chase Young and maybe one or two other guys that you can kind of make a, a, a role for, like an A.J. Epinesa, who's not even an edge rusher. He's more of a, of a five-second, in my opinion. But outside of, you know, a couple of guys, you just it's not that um, good at the top, so to speak. You don't have that many elite talents coming off the edge. So it may be a year where free agency is your best bet to find someone that can make an impact right away. Yeah, I, I feel the same way that, that you do in regards to there's Chase Young and then worlds away is, is everyone else. And I've had a hard time, you know, placing these guys on, on you know, who would, who's the consensus number two and number three. And Glenn and I were talking about um, a scenario where the Jets were to shore up the offensive line, uh, you know, before they get to the draft and they're going to look toward defense. Um, now, early on, I, I believe it was, uh, you know, mock draft uh, or what was the guy's name? Clavon Chason out of LSU. Now, in the event that the offensive line is set, is that a player that maybe the Jets should consider uh, to be their, you know, consensus pass rusher moving forward? You know, and I, I am not as high on Chason as a lot of people are. Uh, it just he just didn't do it enough for me. You know he was he was okay, but I think a lot of people are going to benefit from LSU's championship season. Um, you know, and, and really <laughs> carve a career out because of it. So I, I would I would probably choose Highsmith over uh, Chaseon because of at least I know Highsmith would be consistent. Chaseon you didn't see it often um, or consistently. And that's the issue, especially if you're going to spend a premier pick on someone um, in the first round. You want him, you want him to hit his his uh, his best trait 
consistently throughout the game or throughout the season, and you, you just got to be honest with yourself. You know, when you're watching Chase Khan film, it's like, man, I just don't see that often from him. Like, you don't know. Sometimes you, you try to figure out, well, who's a threat in the game? And a lot of times you don't see it, an LSU defender outside of Stingley, you know, and you see you saw it more often from Delphit than you did from Chason or, or Queen. Now, Queen is a really good linebacker. I think he's a good player, um, but he's not along the same lines of Roquan Smith. But he's a pretty good player. You know, he's probably more Danny Trevathan than he is um, Roquan Smith, which is fine. But, again, I, I just think that um, – there are a few players off that LSU team that I think will benefit from the championship pedigree, and that's why you saw a lot of them come out early. Uh, but Chase Town was a guy that just had to find that consistency for me. Now, one guy, Emery, um, that hasn't really gotten generated any talk for a couple of reasons. He's a projected sort of late rounder, wasn't invited to the combine because he had some issues, and we, we talked earlier about guys lacking that that explosion, that, that first step that gives you that, that advantage to, in trying to get to the quarterback. So uh, because he wasn't at the combine and because he had some issues, I don't know if you've done a ton of work on him. So uh, I apologize if it's a curveball. But, uh, but Tipa Galea from uh, Ohio – and I may, never be, I may not even be pronouncing that right. Uh, Galea from uh, Utah State. I heard his name mentioned a few weeks ago and, and was able to find a couple of Utah State games. And he, he, did, he did jump out a little bit in terms of a guy coming off the edge but again, there are character concerns that meant no combine invite, and it could have him falling a lot further than he would have otherwise. I believe he had some issues where he was suspended from the team, uh, got, into some, got into an altercation, and assaulted some students. So he, he, you know, he hurt himself there. But have you seen much of him? And if so, do you have any thoughts? He's my 22nd rated outside linebacker. Um, you know, you like his length. But I don't think consistently he plays with length. You know, so it's like you have this. You're 6'5", you're 227, you have this length, you have a good deal of athleticism, but you don't play with it, so you render yourself no different than a guy that's 6'1", 230. Um, so for him, it's about realizing, you know, how big he is, how long he is, and play with that. And technically, he just doesn't have, you know, the best skill set. And going into the NFL, you want guys that are technically sound uh, because that's one area in the NFL where they don't teach us essentially 98% scheme-driven in the NFL. So you have to really work on your technique on your own and, and find ways to get better within your own game outside of your scheme work. And so that, to me, is something that he has to really get better at as far as, like, being more technically sound at the point of attack, uh, being able to use that length to shut down that, that back coming his way or going away from him, or if the run is coming his way, just, like, close the door. Um, set a hard edge, and I think those things he has to get better at and doing it consistently. All right, well, listen, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, Emery. Like I said, those are the two spots we wanted to cover with you is receiver and edge because uh, definite need for the Jets there, and because of the plethora of receivers, there should be some mid-round guys, and uh, they may have to address, because of their other needs, they may have to go edge in the middle rounds. So thank you so much for joining us, Emery. Always a pleasure. Appreciate you guys, and, and for the listeners out there, if they want to see my scouting reports for over 650 prospects in this draft, we are uh, selling our inaugural draft guide uh, this year, so they can find that at footballgameplan.com slash 2020 draft guide. Again, over 650 prospects 
individually graded and also scouted. And we're talking about the attributes, the strengths, the areas of areas of improvement, and those areas where um, you know guys can get better. And that's I give you the exact number: six hundred and eighty-nine prospects in total. You're talking about over seven hundred something pages of a draft guide. So, FootballGamePlan.com/slash/2020DraftGuide to get all of my thoughts on every player that I scouted uh, this draft class. Fantastic stuff, Emery. Thank you so much. Be sure to check that out. Appreciate you guys. All right. Take care, Emery. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right. So that was Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan. Some good stuff from him. I enjoyed that because, as I said, wanted to get his thoughts on some of the middle-round guys. And Van Jefferson is a guy that Jets fans have talked a lot about, of course, with his dad being on the staff here with the Jets. But uh, we're just going to run. We're going to go to the phones real quick. We had a caller calling in from our caller. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lamar. How y'all doing? Good. How you doing, Lamar? Good. Hey, I had a question. What is it true about Brady really going to the Buccaneers? And second, why would he leave the Patriots? Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of baffled by this. Well, I think this is a case of Brady and Belichick wanting to prove, or Brady wanting to prove that, you know, it was more him than Belichick. Because you're right. Why would you leave that situation? Um, I mean, there is the issue of the weapons. And if you can turn the radio down there a little bit, Lamar, it's, uh, we're getting some feedback. But, um, oh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's the story is that he's going to get $30 million from Tampa Bay. And you have to imagine that years of this debate, is it Brady, is it Belichick, is it Brady, is it Belichick? And, you know, there's been some internal strife there, even though, of course, they deny it publicly, as any team would. But uh, I think the, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, I think there was some truth to that, that Brady was a little bit threatened by that. And I think he felt that Belichick was ready to move on, so there was some bad blood there. And this is the first time in his career that they didn't extend his contract during the season. So when they didn't, I mean, do that, that's just and, crazy, you know. It's it's honestly like why he's leaving a team, he's leaving a fan base that's you know that's in love with him. I mean, he's such a, I mean, he's such a big part of, uh, you know, New England, or, you know, Boston. I mean, a, a lot of people, especially me, I, I want to suck on his big fat white cock, you know, his big long purple headed mule pecker. Well, listen, I don't doubt that for one second. I think that's the case for the for the entire uh, Boston metro area. I've been up there. I think that's the general consensus. So um, I, I don't think that that comes as a surprise. To, to Does that surprise you, Alex? doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like I said, I, I've been up to Boston. And listen, I love Boston. Boston is an incredible city. Um, if not for their sports teams, it would be like a top, top – I mean, listen, I, I can be an adult about it. Boston, to me, is a top five city in the States. Um, I love it. I love New York. I love Boston. I love Charleston. I love Colorado Springs. Like, there's so, so many amazing places in the U.S. And, uh, and Boston is one of them. But, that, listen, they love Tom Brady. And why wouldn't they? The guys won a million Super Bowls. I mean, Jesus, it's, uh, it's absolutely nuts. So, I, I, I think that's a – and, really, we, we should have touched on that earlier, Alex. That, the, that's really – Yeah. You know, who was it the other day? He said that the winners in free agency this year have already been determined no matter what happens, and it's the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins because Tom Brady is out of the division. But uh, now's a good time to, to bring that up. Um, I don't know if he's officially put pen to paper yet. Um, so then I guess that's when we can start, you know, popping the champagne bottle. Um, it's, it's a good day. <laughs> it's a good time of the year to see that, uh, you know, all the rumors and speculation and, you know, Tom Brady is finally moving on. Um, he's a closer, he, he's gotten further away. He hasn't left the league entirely. Um, but he's further away from the Jets, 
and I, and I look forward to hopefully taking over and being the team that is talked about in the AFC East that is constantly uh, just dominating their conference and, and going to playoffs and doing things like that because uh, playing that guy twice a year has just been terrible, uh, you know, for us fans. Um, you know, some games we've competed, but uh, we know that we haven't beaten them in their house in years, and uh, it's getting—it was getting really, really old. Just, you know, kind of like the same old spiel every single year. You're talking about all the top teams, and then you can't forget about Tom Brady and and the Patriots. But I think we can finally uh, say that it's a new era, and um, definitely great. Uh, you know, I wish him well. Um, enjoy, enjoy the uh, the Florida weather, and uh, you know, don't get a, a bad tan. Yeah. So, so Alex, what do you? What's your reaction going to be when the Patriots either bring Andrew Luck out of retirement, or or they go <laughs> one in fifteen this year and and they they draft the quarterback at the top of the uh, at the top of the draft next year and get uh, what's his name, the kid from Clemson? Oh God, Trevor Lawrence. That's the um, one. I could, I could, I could totally uh, see Belichick. Tank for Trevor. You know, yeah, or you know, basically trading a lion's share with one of the crappiest teams in the NFL, and and getting themselves in position to where they can can make that a real you know realistic situation for them next year. I could totally see that. Um, it would not surprise me at all. Because uh, I know that there's a couple quarterbacks out there off free agency and some quarterbacks um, that are looking to leave their teams, uh, like Pam Newton, for say. Uh, so the, the Patriots uh, could never rule out what they're going to do. Um, we got rid of the quarterbacks, but we still have to deal with the mad genius in Bill Belichick. But uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see that them them going all in and and going after Lawrence and it would be great for football. Um, we probably have the most competitive young quarterbacks, uh, you know, in the NFL, theoretically, if Miami ends up getting, you know, let's say to attack Loa, um, I guess it would just make for great, great football, but it would definitely not make our road to the playoffs easier. Now, what, what would make you crazier, Alex, which is the bigger nightmare that the Patriots get Andrew Luck to come out of retirement and win the division with him? Or if they go with uh, this guy they have, Jared Stidham, and they win 12 games and win the division, which is worse? Oof, maybe Stidham because uh, – Yeah, because that's not that supposed play to happen. Jamal Adams, uh, you know, went – did a little pick six on him earlier um, in, the, well, in 2019. And what was really funny about that is uh, he immediately got yanked out of that game uh, the minute he threw that pick six and Brady had to come back in even though the Patriots were up by like – I don't know, thirty to forty points on a thousand. But uh, yeah, Belichick wasn't going to tolerate that. (laughs) Yeah, that. I mean, another player that we need to mention um, that we talked about that is no longer a part of the Jets too, and that that would be Tremaine Johnson. He's uh, finally moved on, and we've gotten out of that disaster of a contract. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that was a uh, that was a, a mere formality. That was. I mean, God, did that have to happen? I mean, it was just so bad. It's, it's. I don't, I don't care who you are. Anybody who says they knew he was going to be that bad, shut up. Nobody knew. No, <laughs> that you know. How I many, know. I was how happy many, when we got him. You know how many publications said that that was one of the top signings of the off season? 
Then you have these clowns with no, you know, oh, I knew it all along, man. I knew that was a bit. Shut up. Stop it. Now, if you want to say he got overpaid, fine. I can live with that. Nobody knew. Guy never played this poorly in his life or anywhere close to it. Just embarrassing. Did we mention Brian Poole, by the way, Alex? You want to you touch on that? Uh, yeah, we, we only got through – well, we talked a little bit about McGovern. Um, I think we only got halfway through the free agent signings. We covered Fant. We covered Lewis. Obviously, I think both of us have talked at length about um, Connor McGovern, and we're, we're happy about his versatility. But, yeah, we brought back uh, a, a player that we took uh, – well, I guess Mike McCagden rolled the dice on, and uh, it really worked out well for him. And it, what's interesting is that we only got him for a one-year deal at $5 million, and I'm happy about the money aspect here because I didn't want to overpay for a player that had his best career year on a prove-it uh, season. Uh, but, yeah, this is somebody that played the nickelback extremely well. Um, you know, I did like Buster Screen um, up until the fourth quarter when crunch time came down because you knew he was good for at least, you know, a defensive uh, penalty or holding or something of that nature. Um, yeah, but we brought in so a much better than Buster the Screen. Same physicality, ten times better in coverage as far as I'm concerned. So this is this is a good deal um, that we've made. Uh, we're, we're keeping, you know, the strength of this defense is, is staying intact. Uh, I've also heard rumors that Mallette is also in conversation and might be coming back too, so that's another good thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm very excited to have Brian Poole back. He seems to want to be here. Um, he put that out on social media. Let's run it back, New York. And uh, very, very exciting. Um, you know, thus far, uh, you know, I almost said McCagney. Um, Joe Douglas has done a very, very good job of not overpaying people. Um, we have outs in some of these contracts. We're not tied to anybody long term. Um, and I guess that's a good way to start um, for for a guy that's in his first offseason as a general manager. Yeah, I think um, I think the only thing I didn't like about it, I would have liked to have seen two or three years for Poole for the way he played. Um, I think, uh, you know, to me, he signed a one-year prove-it. He only proved it. He showed he could play. I thought he would have got – and I, I, honestly, the money. I thought he would get 7 or $8 million in free agency after the year he had. Uh, I don't know if you're live on here. Just uh, uh, PFF, the Jets PFF page just tweeted out that Poole was the uh, was their fifth-rated corner in the NFL in uh, coverage snaps per reception, and the ninth-rated cornerback overall in the NFL. So uh, listen, you know PFF. As much as people like to downplay it, if PFF is good enough to be used by the NFL Network and ESPN while they're showing the the combine or while they're reporting on stories and players moving. It's good enough for us to use, um, you know, not not as a be all end all, but when I see these people that are like, oh, PFF doesn't know a thing, they don't know, I have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, give me a break, right? This this is why ESPN and the NFL Network, the actual damn league, uses their numbers and their reporting, uh, but people pretend that you know you shouldn't pay any attention. That's not to say they don't have the odd rating where you're like, what the hell are they looking at? I remember they had they they had a pretty decent grade for Kyle Wilson one year, and I was like, geez. That guy, I don't, I don't think he ever had a good play, let alone a good year. Um, so every now and then there's a head scratcher. But all in all, listen, we're happy Poole is back. Uh, we all wanted him back. It's one less thing to worry about in free agents or in, uh, in the draft. I'm just going to throw out a few names, Alex, guys that are rumored 
guys who are just just good players who are still out there. And uh, and we'll do a quick rapid fire. I'll name the player, and sure. you give me a quick and I'll you give me a quick sentence or two on yes or no. Do you want them? And uh, why or why not? So uh, one guy linked to the Jets through Connor Hughes, free agent cornerback uh, Prince Mukamara. What do you think? Uh, didn't work out for the blue team. I think he would have a better chance in green, especially with uh, you know, our two awesome safeties that we have, you know, uh, masking some of those deficiencies. I think his play has improved tremendously since he's left the Giants, so I would not mind that at all. And what about Chris Harris, free agent corner from the Denver Broncos? I, I did like that. Um, I do believe that he might have come to agreement with the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. So he may not be available anymore, but I did see um, a lot of the guys on the beat doing that, and I'm looking it up as we speak, and it does seem that he has come to terms uh, or agreement to go to the Chargers. So uh, he may not be available at this All point. All right, so I that's mean, a no. I would take it. Anything. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't so seen I that. we'd have to cross I, him out. I hadn't seen that one. Uh, one name – um, I just before we came on, I saw Manish made a tweet this Two years, out, and twenty maybe... million with the Chargers from James How many Palmer. Years? Just read it. Okay. Two How many years, years, twenty million. So really yeah, not that bad. I mean, I would have not bad that. for you know he's an older guy, but you're only tied into him for two years. Uh, what about Vinny Curry? I saw Manish made. I mentioned him earlier as a as a potential Jets target. Yes, um, I, as I was putting together my list uh, for for guys that maybe we should look at. Um, I'm not sure how old Vinny Curry is. I know that he is a vet, but at the same time, um, you know, this would probably be like somebody that would, would, you know, you know, McClendon is the, the defensive leader, you know, next to Jamal Adams, I feel, but I kind of feel like a guy of that pedigree, you bring somebody in like that. I don't think there's going to be any fooling around or horseplay in that locker room. And, and what that guy has done throughout his career has been phenomenal. And I wouldn't mind seeing him if we're going to take a flyer on somebody. Now, two more, final two names, Jadavion Clowney and uh, former mm. Titans corner Logan Ryan. Um, Clowney, I, again, I, I've said this before, I think about him, I think the talent is there. Uh, I think the pedigree is there. Um, I just am really, really concerned because I think he's the definition of high risk, high reward. Um, when healthy, I think he can be one of the best uh, pass rushing guys coming off the edge and when he's hurt uh, it's just wait, nothing but wasted money so I don't know if the Jets are in the type of position where they can gamble on a player of that nature um, they might do so and maybe my my thoughts will change but um, I'm on the fence with that right now yeah and we just had Ryan, a... as you said I would definitely take um, I wanted him when he hit free agency before he went to the Titans a couple years ago um, not very young anymore, but if you can get a deal similar to what Chris Harris just got, two, three years, and right around that $10 million mark per year, I, I would kick the tires on Logan Ryan as well. Yeah, I think for that price, absolutely, that would, uh, that would make a ton of sense. Uh, I just had a question from uh, Rich at Rich Jets on Twitter asking any chance Rich. of a trade for Ngakwe. I just I don't see it happening. I don't think – I don't Oof. think um, – I don't see put it this way, I don't see the Jaguars taking less than a one and I don't think and there's no way the Jets are giving up a one for that. Yeah, he was tagged, right? So yeah, we would have to cough up a one plus uh, yeah, it'd have to a be a tag of money. And and you'd want you'd have to do that to where 
you're not going to give away a first round pick, you know, that gives you four years of a rookie deal plus a fifth year option for to spend $20 million on a one year deal and then um, not have some sort of income allocated for a, a long term deal. I don't think the Jets are in position to do that, especially with the Jamal Adams situation and Sam Darnold's a couple years from a big contract. I don't see, I don't think it's in the cards with Ngakwe for the Jets. Yeah, I don't think so either. Really hoped he would hit free agency, like I said earlier, uh, you know, earlier in the offseason. He sent out those tweets saying he was free. So I sort of interpreted that, that he had come to a deal with the, an agreement with the Jags that they would let him walk and leave him be, which would have been shocking anyway. But uh, obviously they did not. So would have been happy to see him coming as a free agent, but not in a position where the Jets should be giving up. You know, it'll, it'll take a one and then some, I believe, to get him to to go unless you know unless unless they feel he's so unhappy and so determined not to play there that if teams don't budge off of a one and maybe Jacksonville says okay we'll take a two maybe then uh maybe then you make that move because I mean let's face it he's a first round edge rusher so if you can get him for a second I think you do it but I don't see that happening so unfortunately I mean I'm just guessing but I, I would guess no that that wouldn't be happening but uh, but I think that covers uh, I think that covers all our bases for tonight, Alex. We had Emery talk receivers, talk edge rushers, covered the uh, the free agent hall, who's still out there, who there might be some interest in. Oh, I meant to throw this name well, out. Let's do Jordan one Jenkins. Question for you. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Um, well, I guess it's a two-parter. Uh, is Jordan Jenkins or Robbie Anderson going to be Jets? Do you think? Um, is there a way that Joe Douglas can figure this out and bring them back? I'm, I would, if I had to guess, I would say Robbie, yes, Jordan Jenkins, no. Uh, I don't think... Uh, I heard some I don't negative think news about an offer was dealt to Jenkins today, and it didn't meet his criteria. I think Ralph, uh, was it Bacciano from SNY? Yes, uh, Ralph Bacciano, what did that, he say? Put that out there. I believe he said that an offer was, was sent, and it did not meet the, um, the criteria that, that Jenkins was looking for. So it might have been a swing and a miss with Jenkins. Um but I'm looking that up right as we speak. And they're, they're interested in Mallette is one of the things he reported today and two hours ago. Um, George A. gets the hopes to return to the Jets, but it doesn't sound like there's any chance of that now. The last, the last offer was way below what he wants. So Jordan Jenkins might be in a new uniform next year. Yeah, that would be uh... – like I said, if it, if it's if it's Robbie and Jenkins, I don't see both coming back. I think Robbie's more likely not, uh, you know. And, and I said a couple weeks ago that I, I I probably was a little bit too generous. Not I shouldn't say too generous. I, when it came to Robbie, I wasn't really considering the depth of the free agent or the draft class um, in his his pursuit of big money, which is and and I I think I said on the air, you know, sometimes you got to admit you have a blind spot. I'm a big Robbie fan. Um, so when discussing Amari Cooper, who ended up going to Dallas, but when people said to me, oh, the Jets should give Amari Cooper big money, I was kind of like, well, there's no way he's going to get, I didn't think he's going to get $20 million. Obviously, I was wrong. But I thought, ah, what's going to hurt Amari Cooper is a deep draft class, you know, trying to get that money with such a deep class. Uh, it didn't hurt him, but I, I think it'll hurt Robbie because Robbie, I like Robbie, but Robbie's not Amari Cooper um, by, he by any stretch. He got a $100 million deal, right, Cooper? Yeah, yeah, he got five years, $100 million. I don't know how much guaranteed, but... He got a huge contract. You were right on that one, Glenn. I know you said he was looking toward 20, and it looks like that's what he got. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said it. It looked like he wanted 20. 
But then I thought, oh, maybe he won't get it because such a deep draft class. But I get you can never count Jerry Jones out from giving out a bunch of money um, when it's, when Jerry Jones is involved. So yeah, Robbie, I think will end up coming back. Um, or I, I should say, uh, between him and Jenkins, he's the more likely of the two to come back. But if he's still out there sniffing around, if a team is willing to, uh, I think he'll end up in the ten, eleven million range, which I'd said I'd said maybe he would get fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. Um, but I think it's going to be ten or eleven, and and we'll see. We'll see where he lands. If it's with the Jets, I'd be thrilled. If not, I'm fine because look, just deep class, insanely deep class. So Robbie will be back or he won't. If he's not, there will be other options on the table. So that does it for us tonight. Alex, uh, enjoyed that one. Great having Emery on. Thanks so much for tuning yeah, in. Thank uh, go you, ahead Emery, and give up. For, for joining us during these crazy times. We appreciate you. Yes, and before I go, I, uh, I almost forgot our, our amazing sponsor, um, Mile Social. I, I was starting to read it earlier and had another thought, and I said I'll do that in a second. Mile Social, Jet Nation Radio would like to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. For help managing any and all of your business-related social media platforms, contact Mile Social at milesocial.com. They can help you with your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. They will manage it. Just go check out milesocial.com. That is M-I-L-E social.com. Check them out and check us out next week when hopefully uh, we can get a, use this show for, for yet another escape from this miserable reality. And um, yeah, and and cover some uh, cover some what will hopefully be some more free agent signings, and, and break down who they've added and how that impacts the draft. Thanks so much for tuning in, Alex. Go ahead and give out the Twitter handle, and I will log us off. Yes, guys. Um, you know, please go ahead and uh, follow us at JetNation.com. If you guys have the time, uh, please give us a review too on on our podcast. We'd love to hear your guys' feedback. And you can follow me at NYJetsLife24. Thank you, Jets Nation. Have a good night. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at JetNationRadio. Glenn is at AceFan23. And Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.